to another episode of the Wembley Way podcast. Tonight, Tom and Nick chew over their best and worst, Ben, the journalist, Liverpool's form with guest Jack Phillips, Five Things in the EFL by Sheld, Chelsea versus Man United in this week's Match Spotlight, England Youth Watch, Power Rankings, and then finally, the listeners' questions. Hello there, and welcome to Series 1, Episode 6 of the Wembley Way Podcast. Nick, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. There's a light at the end of the tunnel now. Um, yeah. Uh, so so on, on the up and positive. Uh, football, so-so this week. feel like a missed opportunity, but uh, but it can't, can't be worse than your world in the football sense. Uh, I'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. No, I'll get to that in a bit, I promised. Uh, yeah. As for our first uh, feature, um, I want to discuss the competition, our new competition, Nick. Um, yeah. It's a, a giveaway, uh, which we're calling the Retro England Shirt Bundle, um, which involves, I mean, let me get it up, I forget, uh, involves the, uh, the 1998 home shirt, the 1982 away shirt, and the 1992 third shirt, third twist strip and they're all um, lovely they're all very lovely they, they really are good i mean we chose it uh we chose them out out of a, a quite a, a selection of retro kits thinking they'd look the best um we, we, we've got a soft spot for the 1998 haven't we being uh, we're like seven years old and that when that world cup happened and it was real mm. it was really my first taste in football actually because i remember the odd spurs game prior to the 98 world cup but not really. Didn't really follow Spurs until like seven years, yeah, seven years of age in that in that World Cup. Uh, Michael Owen against Argentina, uh, sticking in the memory. So yeah, a really nice bunch of uh, retro England shirts, um, and they could be yours. How to enter? I hear you ask. Well, you've got to do all of the following. You have to like and retweet um, our tweet um, regarding the competition at three friends in the, the tweets comments and follow us on one or more of Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the competition has been posted on Facebook as well. So you can do all of those three things on Facebook, too. And the winner will be announced on the podcast in three weeks. Uh, yeah. So um, stay tuned. Please enter and stay tuned for that. Um, also, you know, listen to the podcast as well. Don't yeah. just, yeah, don't just dive in, you know, uh, fill out the three things, uh, win the giveaway and then unfollow us. Uh, they could in theory, but, but do we don't want, want that. So, no. yeah. yeah, please engage with the podcast too. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> Oogie. <laughs> um, and on with the run and order. Uh, as always, it's our best and worst. Nick, what's your best of the week? My best of the week, and you might not like this, uh, is going to be... Um, Declan Rice and specifically his clearance preventing a Spurs equaliser in, in the game against uh, West Ham. 
the other day. Um, I mean, it looked a certain goal. Kane was sort of in on the right, played a, played a nice ball as, as he as he would uh, mm. across the face of the goal. Uh, and there was two in the box for Spurs, just a simple tap in, and uh, Rice just leapt in, cleared it, uh, intercepted, out for a corner. Um, it, it's that defensive instinct that you can't teach a player. You can't coach that into anyone because if you ha- if you have to coach someone, they have to think about that that action uh, to track back as quickly as he did to, to intercept it when he did. That extra split second, it's a goal. It, it's, mm. it's, it's, that's the fine margins there. So um, perhaps that's the reason why Lampard wanted him so much because we don't necessarily have the players who have that uh, defensive instinct in midfield. Um, but also his performance was was, um, was very, very good in general. Again, uh, the most ball recoveries in the game, the most tackles in the game, the most interceptions in the game, mm. 100% of aerial duels, duels won, mm. uh, 83% pass completion, uh, which in, in that particular game where they're quite deep is, is not bad as well. Um, so, yeah, for me, the clearance epitomises his, his overall performance uh, in that game and the season. So that's my best of the week. Fair enough. What's yours? <laughs> Uh, yeah, my best of the week goes to Everton for their performance at Anfield, notably Pickford. And I also thought Richarlison um, deserves a mention for that game and also his form in general of late. Um, firstly, the England number one pulled off a number of very good saves at key moments in the match. The stop at full stretch to reach Henderson's volley uh, was top draw. And the block at, uh, at point blank range against Salah quite late on. That, yeah, that was uh, epitomised uh, what was a commanding display. Um, as I said, a special mention goes to Richarlison. I think he led the line really well. I mean, he has all the abilities to be a top player: feet, pace, strength. Um, as we've seen in recent, and as we've seen in re- uh, recent weeks, finishing as well. He, some finishes uh, against Spurs in the FA Cup. Really, then the, the XG on those chances are super low, and but he converted them. Um, and yeah, he scored another one-on-one at Anfield. I, um, I think Ancelotti. Um, has been quoted as saying Richarlison is a potential Ballon d'Or winner. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Bit much. Uh, yeah, a bit much. But um, I think when you combine his mobility with finishing, I think he's a super useful player. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think I think also when Cavalu and his feet, he dovetails him really well. So, um, yeah, yeah, good choice. Good choice. After special mention to Marcel Sabitzer's goal for uh, Leipzig against Hertha Berlin at the weekend. Um if you haven't seen it, check it out. Long Ranger, about 30, 35 yards out. Massive dip, top corner. Brilliant goal. Watch that as well. There was also another insane goal um, in the Bundesliga. Uh, Frankfurt versus Bayern Munich. And it was the, the Frankfurt's second goal. Um, it's another ins- I mean, I don't know the name. Oh, I oh, forget his name. But it's a crazy goal. Like kind of those, that slice finish, which kind of like rises into the top right corner um, from the, the left, from the opposing corner of the box. Do check that out as well, Frankfurt, okay. Bayern Munich. Nick, what's your worst of the week? My worst of the week uh, is Burnley. Yawn. Christ, nil-nil against West Brom. West Brom had 10 men from from the first half, uh, sent off for a, for a last man handball. Um, Burnley must have a whopping one shot on target against <laughs> 10 men of the worst defence in the league. Mm. Um It's not a good point for Burnley if you're thinking, well, they didn't have to win the game. They're only six points clear of Fulham. Uh, who are playing well and, and winning games again now? So they're not they're not out of the relegation threat f- for any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Um, I've been lucky enough to watch Burnley three times in the last ten days, um, <laughs> which which the good question would be why self harm. Um, it really is. Um, I, I I watched the Chelsea game at the weekend and then I I, I text around saying what game's next? Three p.m. West Brom Burnley, Christ. And I still watched watched it, but um, oh yeah, I've watched them three times in the last ten days and I couldn't have been more bored every time. 
Uh, ball in, in the air constantly, missed out the midfield every time. Every throwing, every set piece takes about one minute to take. Hmm. Um, there was a study done. This brings me on to the next point. There was a study done in the 2017-18 season, which is a little bit outdated now. Sure. Um, but it's, it studied the time that the ball was in play on average during each team's matches. Yeah. Can you guess Burnley's? Out of 90 minutes, how many minutes the ball was in play? Uh, 60 minutes. 54. And not, not a bad guess, was it? <laughs> not a bad guess. I was, hoping, I was hoping you wouldn't go like 40. I'd be like, no, no. Well, I knew uh, it was going to be low, otherwise you wouldn't be saying it. Yeah, so, 54 yeah. on 12 seconds. Um, that is low though, isn't it? Surprisingly, actually, you only lose five minutes on the on the most amount, of, uh, which is Chelsea, which is 59 minutes. But anyway, 54 minutes is, is very bad. Um, same issue in the Wolves and Leeds game Friday night. Diabolical watch where Wolves just, every time the ball was out of play, are taking so much time. Mm-hmm. Um it's a segue onto my point of fans are being shortchanged. When is football going to move to a system where the clock stops when the ball is out of play like other sports? It is ridiculous. It, it frustrates me so much now. And uh, Either they have to do that or the refs have to take notice and start adding on the proper amount of time when the ball, uh, not when the ball is out of play, but when people are taking so long when the ball is out of play. You can have 30 minutes added time. Uh, well, you should do. <laughs> should do. Should do. So my, my worst is Burnley. Yawn. Yeah. Yeah, well... Uh... I did say I'd, uh, I would mention it. And uh, yeah, my worst is Spurs is defending. Um, yeah. Obviously compounded by uh, at the weekend by West Ham. Um, the centre-backs in particular, really, for the worst of the week. Um, due to a real lack of consistency or quality, Spurs have pretty much started with a different pairing every week. Um, it's the same cycle time and time again. Um, a centre-back comes into the squad, looks promising, then makes a series of errors and is swapped out for another centre-back. Um, who would then repeat that exercise for himself in the weeks that follow. And before you know it, you're back with the defender you started with. Um, it's like a carousel of doom. Uh, Jose's in the control booth complaining that the ride is in need of repair, but the theme park won't cough up the funds to fix it. Uh, credit to West Ham, though, as I said. Um, whilst fortunate not to concede another, you know, we did it to post bar, they were very well organised and uh, with enough tooth up front. To, to damage Spurs. Um, that said, their band celebration nearly made it into my worst of the week. <laughs> I knew that. Great on you. I knew that. Great on you. Fucking yeah. unbelievable. Uh, for me, it was the wrists of rice. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a lot of stick for that. He's come out today and tweeted saying, uh, yeah, I need to work on my drumming skills. Someone, I think it was Arthur Masaraku, the, the West Ham left back, said, you, you were drumming. I thought you were riding a camel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really literally. Very floppy. Very yeah. floppy wrist. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my worst of the week. Um, Spurs is defending. Um, yeah, brilliant. Moving on then <laughs> to Ben, the journalist. Thanks, Tom. Ben Anderson here reporting live for the Wembley Way podcast. And I'm delighted to be here joined today with the one and only Jurgen Klopp. Mr. Klopp, can I call you Jurgi? Sorry. No, Mr. Klopp's fine. Um, You're talking to me? Well, yes. We've been talking off air for the last half an hour. I'm not sure. <laughs> Don't worry. Now I've got your attention. Now thanks again on agreeing to join us on this new podcast. I'm, uh, I'm sure you're already aware of it. I heard about it. I can't tell you because of different reasons. I couldn't be less interested in anything in the world. Good. At least you're honest. We have to cut this. We can't. We're live. Okay. So don't swear or anything. It's already sh- But, right, what did I say? <laughs> My interview of Jose Mourinho is easy in this. Take it you haven't heard that either. 
I, I don't watch Jose Mourinho press conference, should I? No, it wasn't a press conference, it was just a one-on-one -on -one interview, like this was meant to be. Well, look, check this out. Oh. Well, I was meant to show you that bit. What did he say? Well, we don't really know. And now I'm interested. Oh, yeah, I thought you might be. So, do you have any inspirational words for our young fans of the pod? My mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Uh, right, you do know. Okay. Um, did your mother also tell you to eat a lot of shrimp by any chance? Yes, that's what she said. Hmm. No, I thought it was much. Did she have any other words of wisdom? Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, you see, I, again, I don't think they're quite as original as, as, as your mum uh, suggested, unfortunately. Rubbish. Well, no, um, I, mean, I don't want to suggest your mum's a liar, but... Oh, then sorry, I'm wrong. You're all right. Well, so you still believe it then? I'm really dis uh, that's a really disappointing question. Okay, okay, to say. Let's, let's start again. Do you have anything constructive to say? you know, in the footballing world. Some tips, perhaps. And very important, shoot the ball in the goal. Yeah, and don't concede one and then everything is okay. Oh, wow, you make it sound so easy. Yeah, that's football. Cool, eh? Fuck me, it's like talking to Forrest Gump. Have you been watching Mike Bassett's England manager? Look, I don't, really don't I really don't like this. What? You now, no, no, I, I know exactly what you want to do. I said what, what I do? said, do with it what you want. There's not much I can do with that advice, is there? No, yeah, but you try nothing to clarify. You write at the end anyway what you want. And if you're going to say something constructive, we might as well just finish it there. Well, then we can stop the interview because oh, I only want to talk to people who have a little bit of understanding well, of football. Well, I think I've got Sorry, a bit more I'm not in the mood to answer your question. Don't you then. don't have better questions, do you? Whatever. Make a story about that. I really would love to see it. I will. I don't read it, by the way, but maybe. Don't have to read it. Be on the pod to yeah, listen to. I have to. no clue what you're talking about. To no, be 100 honest, but I really like to change my personality, but Try I can't forget this. Any last messages? I hope they don't. Um, they don't need my message because I have absolutely no idea about golf. Golf? This is the football podcast. Or I'll be interviewing you about golf. I have no time for golf. No, and I've got no more time for this interview. Walk on, fucking jog on. Ben, the journalist, once again, walking out of the interview. Is he ever going to complete one, Nick? I don't think he is. He's getting very fractious between him and all the managers. He's going to run out of managers that we've got a good relationship with soon, haven't we? Do you know what I mean? He's not doing us any favours. No. Um, okay, and now we're here with Jack Phillips. He's a Liverpool fan. Jack, uh, how you doing? I'm good, Tom. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Yes, not bad at all. So I know Jack from our college days, isn't that right? Very long time ago now, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I know Jack for a bit of Facebook trolling that you used to do as well at the time. Uh, oh, I'm a marked man in Billericay still. So I'm yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you called me a Tory once. That sounds like me. All <laughs> <laughs> good fun. Uh, and what is not very fun, though, is Liverpool and their current form. Uh, what's going on then? What, what's, what's happened at Anfield? Why has their form dipped so much? Uh, well, simply, not to sound boring, but the injuries obviously have hurt us a lot. Um, the spine of our team, everyone, you know, thinks, you know, Mo Salah, Sadio, all the, the great attacking players we've got with the fullbacks are really important. But the spine of our team is Fabinho, Henderson in midfield, Virgil, and then whoever is the centre-back next to him. Obviously, mm -hmm. once Virgil went down, the league was done. But you still thought we can do well in a Champions League, challenge for the top four still. And then, obviously, Matip, Gomez are done. Hendo's playing at the back with Fabinho. It's just been a, a horror show. And without that spine, that, that defensive spine, which allowed 
Robbo and Trent to bomb forward and kill teams with the width, everyone's really nervous because, oh, God, we've got Nat Phillips at the back. And we're just so much more reserved. We're not playing like with the free-flowing football, which we have been. And we just we can't score goals. And we're going to concede one or two now because of the defenders and the lack of quality we've got. And it's just all mixed up into an absolute nightmare. Um, obviously, uh, Thiago, uh, he's obviously come in. Um, and what do you make of his performance level so far? Um, why is it not clicking for him right now? See, I, I'm not going to have a go at you, but this is like lazy journalism. <laughs> I don't I don't understand why people think he hasn't been playing well. He's been fine. He's kept the ball. He's done some great things. The fact of the matter is we signed Thiago to play next to Jordan Henderson and Fabinho in a midfield three. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. And I I believe if, if we had that midfield three fully fit, regardless of Virgil getting hurt, we'd be challenging top four, probably finishing around second. Thiago's been fine. He's not a holding midfielder. That's no. the problem. So, so a, a bit of a challenge to that, I guess. Um, two things. One about Thiago's style, but I'll come into that in a minute. Well, obviously, uh, I, I agree that Henderson and Fabinho are like, massively important to Liverpool's midfield and, and the way Liverpool play in general. Yeah, Nat Phillips and um, is it Reese Williams, isn't it? The other young centre-back yep. who, who you've had on the bench pretty much every game. What uh, Can they be that bad such that could they have played together and let Fabinho and Henderson play a midfield, given that, given how important Fabinho and Henderson are to that midfield and the way Liverpool play? Is that, is, would that not be an option? This is my main, my only criticism of Jurgen Klopp this season with regards to his team selections. Mm. Nat Phillips has not put a foot wrong mm. at all. He's been, he's been fine. He's not going to spray the ball out 40 yards he's not going to do that but in terms yeah, he's, of he's not Van Dyke, is he but no but as a defender he's absolutely fine he can do a job but I don't know why Klopp has persisted so much with I mean maybe you can drop Fabinho drop one of the two but playing yeah. Henderson and Fabinho in the back four it just kills our midfield and we can't yeah. control games and I don't yeah that is my criticism that he hasn't persisted with Nat Phillips. Reese Williams, he's very young. He's made a few errors. I think it's more to protect him that he's not in the team. But Nat I mean, when Nat Phillips come on against Everton, that was our 18th centre-back partnership this season. (laughs) You're going to struggle. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and to be fair, I mean, I think controlling the game is probably less so. I think with Thiago in there, Ryan Aldham and Curtis Jones, they do a good job of that. It's, It's the quickness of which they play at that Henderson and Fabinho make a difference, isn't it? It's that, it's that first time, second time pass, keeping things ticking and, and keeping the opposition on their toes. So I definitely agree with that. It is a big miss in midfield. Hendo's just a... He sets the tempo. He's yeah. the machine in the middle. And when you lose his legs and his running and just he, he gets people going and he's the leader of the team. And when he's at the back, he doesn't have the influence that he does in midfield. And that's the problem. We spoke about um, the uh, forward line in a couple of episodes ago. You might have heard it. Uh, where we discussed how, um, obviously, with Jota's injury, you're now relying again on the same front three. And is that, uh, is that have they become stagnant as a result? Um, what was your, what's your thoughts on that kind of point? So, it's really hard as a Liverpool fan to say this, but we have a problem. And that problem is Bobby Firmino. <laughs> I love the man. I love him. He's a Liverpool legend and the things he's done are great, but he's woefully out of form. Mm. And it's 
playing us, playing with him in the, the starting 11 is the, the, the focal point of that front three in the middle. It's hurt us at times this season. And it's sad to say that. Um, obviously, Jota getting hurt was a killer as well because mm. him being able to come in, being able to rotate, being able to move Mo into the middle, Sadio through the middle, it gave us a lot of options. But Firmino's just horribly out of form and he can't score for love nor money at the moment. Like, he's skying things, which, you know, he was the the nut Mr. No look. You know, he, he wouldn't even be looking at the goal and he'd be putting in the net. Now he, <laughs> now he can't hit a barn door. It's just frustrating. But it is what it is at the moment. And Mo and Sadio are still great. They do the business. Oh, Nick, you had a question about Salah. Yeah, my thoughts, I was just wondering, is, is he overrated? Right. This, to me to be completely honest with you, is you should be saying, is he underrated? <laughs> I Go don't on. understand how he can be overrated when you look at the goals he's scored. He's a so, like... So, Go on. This is, a, this is a question. It wasn't a, a statement. But right. um, if, if there was one thing that, I, that I, would, I would say about him is that he obviously playing off of the right, but in the way Liverpool played over the last three years under, under Klopp, at least maybe four now, um, he plays as a strike, a wide striker, and so does Mane, and for, and that's why Firmino obviously doesn't score the goals that he does because Firmino almost drops in as a number ten, and you play almost with two up front, and so you you wouldn't you wouldn't expect him to score forty goals a season, but you'd expect him to get a lot more goals than than a, a typical winger would, um, which is which is the only point about the goals. But uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't, especially this season, my feeling is that he just doesn't he doesn't seem to add much in the build up play. Um, and things just aren't, aren't clicking for him. But I, I wouldn't say he's overrated, but it was just a question um, he's, on, the, on his current form this Let season. me say this. He's he's very, very greedy. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. There's been games when I've been when I've watched him play and he does frustrate you because you just, just pass. Just, but he gets in his head. He, he goes onto a football pitch and he wants to score. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes he's more, I don't like to say, but I think he's more about Mo Salah than about the team. Mm. He wants to score goals, and he reminds me. His mindset reminds me a little bit of what Ronaldo is like. He's more Ronaldo yeah. than Messi in terms of mindset, um, yeah. but he is a Liverpool great. Don't get me wrong. He's you know for what he's done, you know European Cup, League title for what we expected when we signed him. It's he's been amazing for us. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair enough. Obviously, you won the the uh, Champions League, the Premier League. Um, of those two, uh, what was your favourite win? You know, if you could. Uh, do it again. What would you aim to win um, out of those two major competitions? You know me, Tom. I've been obsessed with the league for a very, very long time. And, you know, this is going to sound mental, but not a day went by when I didn't think about what it would be like when we eventually did it. Yeah. Now we have won it, I can be objective. It was great winning the league. It was amazing. Doesn't come close to winning the European Cup. Really? Yeah. And, and you know, if you ask me now if I could pick what we would win again, European Cup every day of the week, you just there's something about that trophy. Nick is, Nick's a Chelsea fan; he can probably attest to it. It's just special, and the 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 journey to the final, the memories of the you know the semi final, well, the, the thirty six hour journey. Yeah, go on. Very good. You know the the Barcelona game. You know, I can still remember Chelsea two thousand and five like it was yesterday watching that game. The 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 yeah. the the stress of watching that game, the tension yeah. of it. Um, so 
you know, as a Liverpool fan, it was great to win the league. It was a dream come true to see them finally do it to end the hoodoo. But moving forward, give me number seven all day long. Mm, I think I think I'd agree with that. The, the league is the league is special because it's just done over such a long period of time, and and obviously as a Liverpool fan, you waited so long for that as well. But the Champions League. It's just on a knife edge the whole way through, like from the group stage. And then you've got, you've got the knockout stages where games seem to fall on, on small details and last minute winners, things like that. And it, there's just no certainty to it. Whereas with the league, it builds up and you, you sort of almost think, oh, OK, we, we should win the league now. We should win the league now. So it's uh, not going to say anticlimactic, but you know it's coming. Whereas the Champions League, you just never you just never know until the last minute, do you? And obviously, Ooh, yeah, when, we we, got... when we won in 2012, it was the same. Like Every game was just ridiculous. Last we got to January. Time. We got to January and we knew we'd won the league. I knew we'd won the yeah, league in exactly. December. And, yeah. you know, when I think of big footballing moments, like even non-Liverpool moments, like the Drogba header against Bayern Munich, it's an iconic yeah, yeah. goal. I can't remember too many Chelsea goals from when you won the league. No, no, exactly. Torres semi-final. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, you know, this is a partly an England pod as well. And yeah. uh, thoughts on Trent's defending. Uh, we wondered what you thought about it and what that means for the national team. To get, well, Trent's defending, there's not too much good you can say. He's not a great defender. He's a passable defender. You, play, you don't play Trent because of his defensive qualities. You play him because of what he can do going forward. I think you have to, you have to play him. I know Reese James is a great right back. But Trent's qualities, what he can give you going forward, you have to find a way to make it work with him in the team. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that's Gareth Southgate's problem and not mine because, you know, the part of the reason why Trent has been so great for us is because he's got Alisson in goal, Virgil van Dijk, Joel Matip, Joe Gomez, whoever. That solidity, you know, Fabinho, we, he's got great defensive players around him. And with England, when you've got sort of Jordan Pickford, and HMS Harry Maguire turns like a boat. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna struggle a little bit. So that's where you know, in maybe in some games, I would potentially think of playing Reese James because of he uh, Reese James is a much better defender than Trent, hundred percent. And I'm a you know I love Trent. He's amazing, but you've got to make him. You've got to fit him in somewhere. Mm, that, that's why I think we, I think he will play, but I think that's why Southgate is going to go partially with the, with the three or five at the back, however you want to call it, um, because of that. Because I don't think we have the top quality centre backs like Van Dijk and the, and the Fabinho and Henderson. Well, we do have the Henderson, but the Fabinho and people around him to to protect him uh, defensively. So I I, I I go I to and fro with Trent's defending because sometimes I watch him and I just think he he just gets passed by so easily it's ridiculous. But then other times, like I just said, Salah plays so high up and obviously doesn't track back that he does get he does get doubled up and isolated at times. So I think you have to give him that. But but I, I would agree with you if we can find a way to bring out his qualities without exposing his weaknesses, then he has to play. But otherwise, in, in some games, it might be a case of Walker or, or East James. All right. So you mentioned for, um, Fabinho playing in front of um, Trent and, and that kind of offering that defensive solidity in front of uh, Alexander Arnold. So for England, that might be Henderson's role. Um, why? And I think I, I, I saw you tweet that Henderson is a definite starter for England. Explain yourself. Why does Hendo start uh, in the summer? Right. I knew you were going to ask, ask me this, and I, I want to fire back at both of you with a question. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. I'm both of you. I'm I'm assuming would want Declan Rice to start for England. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Well, personally, right. I'm not overly fussed because I'm not. Okay, I'm, well, not I'm not nearly let, fussed by either of them. Let uh, me I, go I, I, think he, I think I think Rice starts 100. Yeah. So this is a question for you. What's the biggest mm -hmm. game of football that Declan Rice has played in in his career? 
Well, that's fair, but that's but that's we don't we don't know we don't know uh, what he's capable of in a big game. So also that's yeah that's that's a very fair comment. But the way I see these lineups, people post with Declan Rice as the sole sort of defensive player with players like Jack Grealish and James Madison. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Madison. So I completely agree yeah, with that. Yeah, I, I believe that Declan Rice should start 100. percent I'm not saying he shouldn't, but in that midfield, in tournament, in knockout football, you need some level of experience. Jordan yeah. Henderson has played in two European Cup finals. He's played in a Europa League final. The less we say about that, the better. He's played, you know, he's won the league. You need, and England don't really have too much of that. Mm. So he you, he has to start in that engine room. He's, he's an ideal tournament player for me. And I think Gareth Southgate would be mad to not, not have him in his team. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's an interesting one because... I think, like I said, Southgate's going to go with the three or five at the back, which means two in midfield and, and three sort of attacking players. And 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 it's a case of do you need do you need those two? Um, I don't want to call Henderson defensive, but but he's not he's not exactly a um, an attacking player, is he? Next to Rice, and and so I think in some games it will definitely be a case of Henderson and Rice. And I think throughout most of the tournament, especially against the good teams, it will be that. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit frustrated actually because. Mount under Lampard towards the end was moving a lot deeper into a two in midfield, and I think he would be very good at that role because he's got the energy that, that Henderson has. He doesn't have the experience he has, but he's got the energy and and probably the capabilities in terms of technical ability to play that role um, and maturity and discipline. But under Tuchel, obviously, he's been moved forward a lot further forward, so I don't think he'll get a shout in for that deeper role now. So I, I agree with you. I think it will be Rice and Henderson, and I can't really see any other people. Um, forcing their way into that midfield in terms of the midfield too. Alrighty. So I think that concludes our questions regarding Liverpool's form for Jack today. He is back later in the pod. Um, similar to last week, probably giving the game away now. He's on for the youth watch. Uh, this week we have... Uh, no, I will keep that a secret. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. But for now, Jack, thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Five things in the Doncaster's Golden Boy. Now there was quite the story at Doncaster Rovers at the weekend. Uh, for those of you who don't know, James Coppinger is an absolute legend at the club. After 17 consecutive seasons with Donny, the 40-year-old is finally retiring at the end of the current season. So in order to honour Coppinger for this achievement, uh, Donny allowed him and his sons to design a special gold third kit for their match against Hull at the weekend. What a lovely gesture. Um, Coppinger was brought on as a sub with Doncaster losing 3-2. And cometh the hour, cometh the man. Quite remarkably, in the 102nd minute of the match, Coppinger curled home an amazing free kick into the top bin to equalise. I'm the judge around here, mate, not you. Um, so you probably saw this last week. It was well publicised. Um, referee Darren Drysdale squared up to Adam Judge in Ipswich's 0-0 draw at home to Northampton. Uh, the pair clashed after Drysdale booked Judge for simulation in the penalty area. Drysdale was charged with improper conduct and removed from refereeing duties at the weekend. He has since apologised. So obviously he shouldn't have reacted to Judge but I actually like the fact he did so, um, with refs getting it in the ear all game, every game from players. Things 
could have got a whole lot worse for Judge, with Drysdale being a sergeant in the RAF. One to watch. This week's one to watch is Michael Elise of Reading. In what has been his breakthrough season, midfielder Elise is one of the key reasons Reading are batting out for the championship playoffs. The 19-year-old has jinxing skillful feet to glide past opponents and he can carry the ball upfield. He also has a great eye for a pass with his cultured left foot. He is joint first in the championship assist charts with 9 and has 4 goals to his name. With the likes of Chelsea, Aston Villa and Arsenal all rumoured to be interested and a supposed £8 million release clause, Elise is likely to be playing Premier League football with or without Reading next season. Sunderland's Sugar Daddy So the Black Cats have been taken over by 23-year-old Swiss Cyril Louis Dreyfus in the past week. He is the youngest chairman in English football and he only has a small sum of £2 billion in a trust fund. So you'd imagine, given this relatively large amount, Sunderland fans will be hoping the takeover is a platform for an eventual return to the Premier League, though they may be sceptical about his intentions given how terribly the club has been run in recent years. Performance of the week. Terriers destroy Swans. Um, Huddersfield 4, Swansea City 1. This can only be described as a coupon buster. So going into the match, Huddersfield were winless in 8 league games, while Swansea were unbeaten in 9 and had only conceded 15 goals in 28 beforehand. But the form book was turned on its head, and Huddersfield were actually very deserving of the 4-1 scoreline. Uh, Dwayne Holmes scored an absolute worldie and goal of the season contender in the route, so make sure you catch the highlights. Five things in the Five things in the EFL. Five things in the EFL. Nicky, what do you reckon? Well, it'll be interesting to see if Sunderland make another documentary with their new owner, a very young owner. And I love the story about Donny's Golden Boy. I think that's a, um, a love story, a romantic story that football's uh, missing at the moment. So love that from Shell. Cheers. Yeah, man. Great stuff. Keep it coming. Um, onwards with the running order. We have match spotlights. Uh, this week, we're discussing Chelsea versus Manchester United. <sighs> it's gonna, it's a tricky one to call, actually. Um, Chelsea, historically, have got a really good, um, really good record against Man United in, in the Premier League. I think, uh, whether it still stands, but a few years ago, um, we had taken the most points off of them than any other team uh, in the Premier League. Mm. Um, and obviously, having Man United's history, that's quite, quite a feat. But, um, we haven't beaten United in the Premier League since November 2017. Um, wow. and, and we've only won one of the last eight meetings in all competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that was um, last season in the FA Cup. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I think where we fall down is that under the last maybe three managers we've had, we've tried to play um, nice football, I suppose you could call it, and pretty mm-hmm. football. And uh, many United have almost transitioned into this counter-attacking team who, who don't tend to have as much of the ball and just can, can kill good teams on the, on the break. So I think that's where we've suffered. Hopefully we can uh, carry on the trend of keeping the ball very well. Um, and that's, that seems to be our best form of defence at the moment. We've, um, we've conceded 1.7 shots on target per game in Tuchel's first six games in charge in the Premier League, which is um, better than any other team during, the, during that period. If, if we can restrict United to this, I think we'll win because 
I, I think our attack will be a bit more fruitful against uh, their their potentially leaky defence. Mm. Um, but I think if we allow United um, any more sniffs at goal, people like Rashford, Fernandez, Cavani, if he's if he's fit again, will will punish us. So I, I'm I'm struggling to know which way to call this. Uh, how do you see it? I think it's a really interesting match, actually. I think what Tuchel's doing at Chelsea is now creating a, a real unit, um, uh, a team that what really works together um, as, a, as a single entity, mm-hmm. whereas United, on the flip side, are you, you, it appears sometimes rudderless and uh, are relying on their top players to bow them out. Um, yeah. And as you said before in the pod, they often go behind. And it's actually it's those um, those top class players that they're fortunate to have that bows them out, bows Solskjaer out uh, in turning these matches around. Um, and so I think it's a nice um, juxtaposition between the two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, how I see it going, I think it's a low scoring match and I think Chelsea win it I think uh I think it might be like 1-0 or 2-1 Chelsea mm. what's your prediction yeah I think low scoring um United seem to uh have low scoring matches in these bigger games Chelsea I think have scored two against the traditional top six this season one mm. was a consolation against uh City and the other one was was against Spurs recently uh in in, in the win um so I, I, yeah, I don't think it's, it's going to be there's going to be very many goals. Uh, I've obviously got back Chelsea, haven't I? Um, so mm. I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, a two-one, um, which which would be a good result for us and, and put us back in back in the run run for uh, top four again. Certainly would. Uh, that's it for match spotlight. Uh, next, England youth watch. Tonight, uh, we're discussing Liverpool's number 17, the 20-year-old midfielder, Curtis Jones. Jack, what do you make of Curtis? This is, I'm probably going to surprise you with some of the things that I say here. Um, so, number one, I think he's a, he's a really, really good footballer. And I like the way that Klopp has been introducing him to the team. He's not been, you know, great every week this year. He's made some mistakes. He's been taken out of the side, etc., etc. Um from a Liverpool fan's point of view, I'm a big fan of him. I love him. From an England fan point of view, I'd rather him be at pretty much any other club in England other than Liverpool for his own personal development. Now, why why lived, do you think his well, why is development stunting? At, um, why do I think that? Because I think Curtis Jones could could be as highly rated, regarded as someone like Phil Foden. But in our system, he's held back significantly. And not only that, I also think on a personal side for Curtis Jones, not wanting to, you know, get into too much, being out of Liverpool in another city would do him a lot of good. All right. Interesting point. Fair enough. Yeah, that's very interesting. When, and when you say for his, uh, his development for England, do you, mean, do you mean in terms of the style of play that Liverpool have versus most other clubs and the role of a midfielder in that system? Yeah, precisely that. Within Liverpool's system, the midfielders, they're not very expressive. They're not allowed to be particularly creative. And if you go back and watch the game where Curtis Jones scored the great goal in the FA Cup against Everton, Jurgen Klopp, that game, gave Curtis Jones the the licence, go and, you know, go and put your stamp on this game. And that when he does that, Curtis Jones is unbelievably talented. He's so confident borderline arrogant with what he can do on a football pitch 
And yeah. it, it hurts me sometimes to see that is getting taken away from his game within our current system. Similarly to what's happened with Genie Wijnaldum. You watch him for yeah. Holland, he's a different player yeah. to what he is for yeah. us. That's what I'd say with Curtis. I'd love to see him go to, obviously not as a Liverpool fan, but go to another club and just be the number 10 and just be allowed to express himself fully because I believe he would be one of the highest rate, highest sort of regarded young players in world football. He's that He can be that good. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that, and and the, the sort of role of a midfielder in, in Liverpool system, which uh, I know you don't agree that Thiago hasn't been uh, hasn't pl- been playing well, but I think that that uh, has been the reason why he hasn't been able to show exactly everything that, that he did at, at Bayern. Um, I, I was funny enough last season uh, just before lockdown, I went to Stamford Bridge to watch the Chelsea Liverpool game in the FA Cup, um, and Curtis Jones started in that game, and bar Billy Gilmore. He was the best player on the pitch by a country mile, and and this was a team with Van Dijk, with Robertson, with Mane in it. Um, he he was so good, and Klopp subbed him off actually after about seventy or so minutes. And I turned to my brother and said, oh, "Thank God for that, because he was the only one in your team who was who was creating anything and, and causing us a problem." Um, I, I I really rate him. I think I think um, I think he will be a very good player, but I, but I do agree with you, agree with you on his role at Liverpool. To be fair, yeah. Let's not also forget Adrian played in that game. <laughs> I've certainly, I've certainly not forgotten that. But no, it's, I just wish he would just be given us a little bit more, especially with how sort of we're struggling at the moment. Switch things up a little bit. Give Curtis Jones that that license to go and roam, and I really think he could be a a, a really good goal scoring midfielder yeah, um, yeah. if given that opportunity. But it's up to Mr. Klopp. Yeah, it is indeed. indeed. Yeah. Um, and that's it. I think that covers Curtis Jones. Um, that was England Youth Watch. Thanks, Jack. I think we, we're going def- to uh, definitely have to have you on again. Uh, you are very opinionated. And uh, yeah, we need more of uh, more arguments in the pod. So, uh, yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm your man if you want <laughs> arguments. Tell you that. <laughs> no, I like it, mate. No, thanks very much for that. Brilliant. Cheers, Jack. Thank you, mate. That was the England Youth Watch. Uh, now, um, as for the other section dedicated to the England national team, we have the Power Rankings. This is, of course, where we uh, look at the England pool of players and see which players are currently making the plane based on their week-by-week performance in the English Premier League. Um, Nick, uh, we have a question, uh, which, are, which is England Power Ranking related. Um, Alex Woods asks, uh, England front four, who's yours? Yeah, cheers, Alex. Um... So I'm going to be controversial, and I don't think we're going to play a front four. Um, so, so I'm going to. Well, uh, that wasn't the question, three. though. That wasn't the question. Well, okay, wants, Alex wants your four. Uh, so if we have to play a front four, as in like a number ten, two wingers, and a striker. Yeah, um, yeah, go on. Okay, right. We're bounded by that rule now. Um, <laughs> so Kane is my striker. Uh, my number ten uh, is Foden, and my wingers are uh, Sterling and uh, Grealish. God, uh, do you know what? I'm annoyed. I uh, I bounded. You, exactly. Bounded is that even the right word? Yeah. Um, you because that was exactly mine. So you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess yeah. that that did come back to bite me. All right then. What's your what's your preferred front uh, attacking threat? I'm not saying preferred, but I think we will go with a th- front three and a three at the back formation as we've discussed before. And I think, um, I think, I've said before, Kane, Foden, Sterling. Yeah. Is mine uh, tough on Grealish, but I think um, I think I think Foden can do almost what Grealish does and a little bit more. 
Um, so that's why I'm going to go Foden ahead of Grealish and play from the right. Which I can really I can hear the uh, United fans screaming at us. You've got to play Rashford. You've got to play Rashford. Uh, what, what would you say to them? Yeah, this that's a strong argument, isn't it? It's, it's, I don't think there's much between any of them, but um, I, I find Rashford a little bit wasteful at times. Um, a little bit trigger happy shooting from, shooting a goal from from range and but and by God, what a trigger! Well, yeah, we've seen against Newcastle the other night. Um, or gun rather, finish. you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, it's a good call, good question, but um, I think he misses out narrowly to Sterling. Um, and then I think I think Sterling and Rashford are a little bit similar, I guess, in that they're, they're both of them are getting behind, whereas Foden and Grealish are both completely different. So I think you need to have a mix of those players. And Sancho, I mean, I think maybe a couple of weeks back, would say definitely not in, in the running. However, he's playing super well right now alongside uh, Haaland and mm. and most notably in the Champions League, assists every week. Um, he's knocking back on that door, isn't he? He is, yeah. I think a lot of people are sort of almost out of sight, out of mind with him a little bit at the beginning of the season. But he's definitely, um, he's playing a lot more, playing a lot better. Um, although Dortmund is still struggling a little bit. A, a good result. Uh, yeah, the week, domestically, the weekend, yeah. But... Um, a good result of the weekend, to be fair. But, but yeah, he's he's definitely um, uh, playing himself back into that squad firmly. I think. Alrighty, so that's uh, let's not forget this is the power ranking. So Nick, who's your movers and shakers this week? So there's not much movement in terms of the players we've already got there. Um, there's a few little ones. I've got to mention Pickford, although he's not moving because he's already top. Um, sure. Performance the other day against Liverpool. I was going to say he gets a lot of stick for the mistakes and doesn't get that much praise for the good saves and good performances he has. So I think yep. I think he's maybe perhaps underappreciated a little bit. So just a quick word for him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to add, I mean, I think although he's always been our number one in the power rankings, there was a moment where I think Pope had a really good game mm. and then Henderson had a really good game. And we kind of said that we, we, we're not moving Pickford down, but we definitely questioned it. I yeah. think with um, performances like um, he had at Anfield in my best of the week, I think it cements his position there, doesn't it? Um, probably for the tournament, the summer tournament, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, it's interesting because Everton obviously had him. Uh, he was injured for a few games, and their their sub or reserve goalkeeper Olsen came in for, for a while, and he was very very bad. Um, and it would have been interesting had he come in and been very good because Pickford was a little bit shaky before that. And right. If he had come in, Pickford may have lost his spot, which would have put the England um, position into a bit of doubt. But I think now he, he cemented that Everton number one jersey, and I think he'll he'll cement the England jersey as well. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, a few mentions to a few others. So Shaw playing well again um, mm-hmm. and Chilwell not playing again. So actually, I think um, those two probably deserve maybe a switch in places and Shaw perhaps comes above Chilwell now. Yeah. Um, Bellingham, we met, we talked about him um, recently. Um, he's playing a lot more under the new manager at Dortmund. He's starting games in the Champions League. He's, he's coming on in every, pretty much every game now. Yeah. Um, so again, I don't think one for the squad, but definitely one to watch out for in the under 21 Euros. Uh, and then we've got five new players uh, who have come into the power rankings. Uh, in place of a few others. Um, two at Villa in Concer and Target, who have been mm. playing very well this year. And there's been rumours lately of Southgate potentially looking at Concer. Um, two Everton defenders, Mason Holgate and Ben Godfrey, both playing very well. Um, very good performances against Liverpool again uh, the weekend. And uh, West Ham's new January loan signing, Jesse Lingard, who would have thought playing in- <laughs> back into Southgate's thoughts. Um, new entry in the England games. power rankings. Exactly. So, um that's uh, one to watch, I guess. Um, he's yeah. playing very well, and uh, and um, you can't deny if he's playing that. If he continues that form for the rest of the season, he's um, he's definitely been with a shout as well. Yeah, he got the World Cup experience to help him along the way. Exactly.
Thank you very much. That was your uh, Movers and Shakers in this week's England Power Rankings. And remember, you can always check in and see the latest rankings at the website, thewembleyway.com. Okay, now it's time for our last feature of the episode. Um, it's the listeners' questions. Ladies and gentlemen, England will be playing for fucking two. It is indeed time for the listeners' questions. Our first question is from Christopher Irvin at Christopher underscore A underscore I. Um, he says, question to both. Who would you consider the most overrated PL player of all time? Perhaps a player that nostalgia favours and or that wouldn't adapt well to today's game. It's an interesting one, isn't it, Nick? I found this really difficult because you sort of start to make arguments for one person and you're like, oh, no, look what they've achieved in the game or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that some fans are going to be screaming at you. Um, I feel like he wants us uh, ridiculously to consider, you know, those arguments around skulls being like oh, uh, overvalued, uh, what's the word, overrated rather, um, yeah. since he's retired, Gerard, you know, you know those kind of takes. I don't agree with any of them. I feel like it's a trap for us to fall into. Yeah, I, I did find this really difficult. I, th- I, th- I, I, I don't even know if I agree with this myself, to be honest. Um, but, <laughs> but I think because he worked so hard and everyone, especially fans of Manchester United, loved him uh, and because he had an, in- an injury or illness that kept him out, I think people almost remember remember that he was better than he was and was missed so much. And I know United fans are going to hate me for saying this, but I'm going to say Darren Fletcher. Um uh-huh. He, he he was a good a vital cog, I suppose, at times for Man United midfield. But I feel like because of the things I've mentioned, he sort of put up on a pedestal and um and maybe maybe rated slightly higher than he was. Um, this isn't me saying he wasn't a good player or, or or isn't a good player. Um, I just think that he perhaps wasn't as as good as as perhaps uh, his league titles and and achievements and United fans would would, would hail him to be. But um, I, as again, I'm not even sure how much I believe that myself. It's um. It was a very tough question because there was a lot of contenders, and then you think, no, there's no way they're they're overrated. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to say that, but with, without much conviction. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, Jack Wilshere for me is uh, by Arsenal fans lauded as this player, especially well whilst we we're still at Arsenal. Um, the Lord, there's this player that was the next best thing. Um, everyone they they, they kept um, referring back to this one game against Barcelona at the Emirates, and they'd use that one game where he played pretty well to effectively uh, what's to say, lord him as the next best thing. You know, the, ne- the next biggest name in English football. Um, don't get me wrong. After the game, I was like, yeah, this is obviously a talent, but we didn't see for for, the, for the, there was no longevity after that performance suggests that he was anything other than a good player. Um, but uh, yeah, the Arsenal fans would tell you differently. I mean, if you're going to go down the route of looking at players who've had one, you know, one really good game, I've, I've, I've got, I've got one at the Emirates. Uh, Daniel Derrida for Wigan. Yeah, the, the game of his life for Wigan. You go on YouTube, right? 2008. Daniel Derrida at the Emirates for Wigan. Literally messy. It's, honestly, there's some of the runs. It's insane. You, I was laughing. Look at some of the looking at some of these runs he was doing, and uh, yeah, I just see a great player have one brilliant game. I didn't go and, running around saying there is the next big thing. It happens. Winks, man of the match performance at the Bernabeu again. Don't I, I haven't been, I've criticised Winks of late. Uh, it doesn't make him uh, the next Iniesta. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I would say uh, 
Jack Wilshere being overrated, most definitely during his playing career at Arsenal, um, as opposed to now, because I think everyone would agree now that he's he's, a, he's, he's past it. I think I have heard, heard you say Winks yesterday before, but we'll move on anyway. <laughs> uh, that, that, that does happen with um, players who had like injuries that have stunted their career, though. One of the people I thought about was Abu Diaby at Arsenal. Uh, and it's almost like because they had this injury, it's like everyone imagines their maximum ever potential. Like They would have been this epic Premier League great if it hasn't, wasn't for that injury. And you think, well, would it have been? I don't, I don't quite agree with that. Do you know what it's like? It's like, you know, when an artist like, paints all their life and no one knows who they are, right? They die. And then their painting becomes much more, valu- much more valuable. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and, th- and it's almost like that. It's like, because you've lost them in their prime or, yeah. or like, a, like a famous singer dies young. Suddenly their music's um, uh, almost like enjoyed more and it's, there's more yeah. like onus uh, applied to, to, to their material to their artwork and so yeah it's more successful than perhaps it would have ever been yeah I agree it's an interesting yeah. point though that uh, I think you've yeah. got one for me Nicky I do this is from uh, one true Joe uh, and he asks how do you think Tottenham can turn this season around yeah cheers Joe um, I think We've seen, uh, we saw at um, the Olympic Stadium, London Stadium, I think they've changed it to, um, that uh, I think you have to start bow from now on. Um, it was finding that pocket, it's like dropping deeper into the, um, the gap between uh, the defensive line and the midfield um, on that right side and was, yeah, just collecting the ball from uh, with Doherty and spinning it around, finding Kane and Son beyond. And I think we've missed that link-up play in recent weeks. I think you play Ali. Um, I, 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 maybe I'm doing that thing where because he hasn't played for a long time, I'm, just forget, yeah, yeah. I'm forgetting yeah. how shit he's been um, in recent. You're doing the centre back thing. You always, you always ask for the one who's not playing. <laughs> so it's a trap. Um, yeah, yeah I would say play Ali only because it, whilst um, Celso is injured, it really, we are starved of uh, that link up play. Um, and I would say play Tanganga or Roden uh, centre back with Toby and stick with them. So I wouldn't. Uh, I'll turn the carousel off um, and stick with them and try and uh, create, a, you know, encourage a, a relationship um, as opposed to, yeah, just switching up every week when they make a mistake. Um, that means allowing for mistakes, but eventually you'd benefit um, is my, uh, my, my hope. And then finally, I'll bring Ryan Mason and Nedley King in as caretaker manager until the summer. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the biggest one till last. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll yeah, change the manager and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's, uh, that's how I think Tottenham could uh, turn this season around. Right, Nick, I've got a question for you. Go on. Uh, Sean Morgan, at Sean Morgan. Great app. Brilliant app. Yeah, it really is. Uh, how much do you think uh, squad depth is helping City this season? They can swap the front six and see no real difference. With the congested fixtures, they are able to rest and rotate players more than other teams that rely on a couple of star players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no, no denying that they can have injuries or they can rotate and basically not feel any any difference to their, to their other 11. They can, mm. they can put out two 11s in two different games and, and both be world-class 11s. Um, I think... I think it's easy to say that and it's easy to sort of throw that at them and say, yeah, but they can rest players and things like that. Um, obviously, all of the players they put out are, are, are very, of a very high quality. Um, you have to keep these players happy and motivated. And I think we've seen this um, at Arsenal, we've seen it at Chelsea, where they've gone in this season with massive squads and you've got players who aren't um, favoured and aren't, aren't the, part of the first team eleven as such and are playing in the cup games or the easier Champions League group games and things like that and they've uh, got very annoyed and it affects the squad morale uh, and squad and squad happiness and then affects the squad's form as well so I, I, I think that yeah it, it, 
you're right, Sean. Um, it definitely helps them out in the season, especially with games so close together. But I do think you've got to give Pep and, and the players involved a bit of credit as well in that um, it doesn't seem like Mares or Sterling or Foden um, or Bernardo Silva, all these players, when they are on the bench, they're unhappy about it. And, and it seems like any of them could start at any given moment um, or any given match. So, so uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you've got to give them credit for that. But, but it obviously does help them. Fair enough. Cool. Right, one for you, Tom. This is from Chris Player at Chris underscore S underscore Player. Can Mbappe reach the heights of Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo? And can he go one step further and surpass Bakayo Saka? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ignore the the last bit, I think, uh, from uh, Arsenal fan Chris Player. Uh, (laughs) But I will uh, say, I think think Mbappe's uh, already surpassed uh, the international level. I think he's won the World Cup uh, and he performed unbelievably in the World Cup. Um, but yeah, not. I don't think they, they will reach the, the heights um, of the two uh, at club level, I think. Yeah. No, I, I think look, Ronaldo's superhuman. Uh, Messi is an alien. Um, and, I, and I've also remember, I, I think coming third or, I mean, he's with the likes of Neymar, and, well, potentially... Well, I think actually he'll surpass Neymar. I think coming third to these guys is no bad thing. I just think what we've we've been spoiled with Ronaldo Messi in the last what is it twenty years, fifteen years, and I think he'll be doing extremely well to reach the heights of those guys. Uh, and I think, I think, I think he's just going to miss out. Um, look, he might go to Real Madrid. That's 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 been on the wall, isn't it, for a few years? Um, and if he goes there and gets fifty goals a season for for five years or, or longer as Ronaldo has done, then maybe, but he's got a long way to go. Um, and, it's, it's, you know, it's the quality's there, but it's, it's also injury. It's, 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 um, it's mind frame as well. Like Ronaldo and Messi, they're so, they're so focused, uh, Ronaldo particularly. Um, this is a lot of boxes that need to be ticked for him to get anywhere near him on a, on a club level uh, for that sustained period of time. So I'd say uh, probably just short. Um, but like I say, coming third to these guys is, yeah, it's not a bad thing. Okay. Interesting. Recently, uh, I listened to an interview with Tuchel when he was at PSG and, and they asked him what it's like to manage Mbappe. And he basically, without saying he's got a big ego and 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 um, demands the very best from everyone, he basically said that and was like, he's, he's very challenging uh, to manage, but but very rewarding. Um, and I, I, I do think he's got that little bit of Ronaldo. Um, yeah, that does, does sound a lot like Ronaldo, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I, you can't predict anything, but um, I think he'll run him close. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, Nicky, I've got a question for you. Uh, Joseph, um, at JWG92, uh, he asks, in your opinion, who are the top three most overrated and underrated players in the Prem? Uh, so in, in the Prem, I'm going to go in the Prem right now, is that question? Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to go Pogba, Firmino, Deli Alli. Uh, I'm going to go Pogba because there's so many arguments about his best position and where he has to play in certain systems. He can only play with two people behind him, one person behind him, all these qualifying components and criteria that, that, that make him a good player. Good players fit into systems uh, and play well in any system. Undoubtedly, Pogba has immense talent, but um, that, that's, I don't think, I think he's overrated uh, for me. Um, for me, no, I do think he's good at what he does and, and he has been good at what he does for Liverpool. Um, I also think there's other players out there who can do that link-up play uh, and can be as clever as he is and can press as he is as he does, but also score goals. Um, and I don't think Firmino does that. I, I, I don't think I think Firmino is a very good player, 
but I think he he has been overrated by some Liverpool fans. Deli Ali, um, again, very good in a certain position, playing right off of the off of the number nine and almost playing in behind him at times. Um, but I don't think he's anywhere near as good as a, as a footballer as many people thought he potentially was. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's being uncovered now and and with him not playing as much, but. Um, technically, I think I don't think he's great. I think he's got a good football brain, but I don't think he's a, he's a great football player. Um, so they're my top three overrated, underrated at the moment. I'm shaking um, my head at the Delhi stuff. <laughs> you, know, I was like, you know, but I, I feel like he's been played out of position, and if he continued to be playing off Kane, I think you know he has, he's been played out of position for the last couple of years, um, and you you have to ask yourself if. Pochettino didn't start playing him deeper. He wouldn't even question um, him being a good, uh, you know, is questioning his ability as a player. Yes, he's not most technically gifted footballer in the sense that um, he, he's he, he's a look awkward on the ball, isn't he? Very leggy. Um, but you can't argue that there's technical skill um, required to score the goal he scored at, at Selhurst Park, um, where you know he's flicked it over his head and on the spin volleyed it from outside the box. One of the best goals I've ever seen. So he's certainly got that talent. Um, I just think, yeah, he's been unlucky with yeah being playing out of position. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying he hasn't got technical ability and he's not a good player. I just think another one similar to Pogba where he has to play in a very specific position in a very specific team to flourish. And, and without that, he, he falls away quite a lot. Whereas some, some other players will play in a certain position and system and then in another one, they'll also do fine as well. So... That that's my my shout on Ali. Yeah, I, um, I think. Hold on. <laughs> it, 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 there, there is a. Look, you didn't I, question Pogba for me like this. Come no, on. well, I'm biased, and I. <laughs> he's like admit it. Um, for me, it's like it's, it depends on what you value for a player, right? So yeah, he's, um, as I said, he's a bit awkward on the ball, um, and sometimes his shooting ability from outside the box, for example, is uh, yeah, it's, it's not very good. Um, but. The talents he does have, i.e., being in the right place at the right time, ha- having that cutthroat instinct in front of goal as well, he does have that, like a mm. like a really good number nine. Um, that's something that like not a lot of players have, and mm. that does p- take him to an extra level um, when playing in a system in the right position. He could be a top. He reminds me of Muller, um, uh, Bayern Munich, in the sense that he's they've got a name for it out there. I must get I must get that for the next episode. There's a no. name for it, <laughs> where basically the name translates to like. Um, I don't know, it's like finder of space or like yeah, yeah. master of... Explorer of space or something like that. Something like that, isn't it? And basically, yeah. that's what that's what Deddy can do. He, he's got that natural instinct. And that, for me, is a trait not a lot of players have. And only the best players have. And, uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I would suggest he's even underrated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Look, am I underrated? I'm going to go with Deli Ali. Uh, <laughs> convince me. Good. Uh, no, right. So underrated, I'm going to go with Harvey Barnes. I don't think he's quite getting the credit. I think he's starting to get the credit, but I don't think he quite gets the credit for how well he's done over the last uh, year or 18 months. Yeah. yeah. Leicester can play in multiple positions as well. We saw against Liverpool, we switched him into a sort of two up front and, and played very well there as well. Um, I think Danny Ings to to um, play as he did before and then get to move, the move to Liverpool, have a really nasty injury and not do quite as well at Liverpool and then go back to Southampton and just show the form he's... he's, he's um, He's playing with now. I, I think I think he's underappreciated um, mm. for his qualities, uh, and I also think Calvin Phillips. And the reason I say this is because not necessarily as an underrated player, but he's so valuable to less uh, to Leeds' system. Uh, and I think without him, their their plan as a team falls a, falls away. Right. So so I think um, 
potentially from the outside, non-Leeds fans might underappreciate his role in their team, I think. Yeah, good set of players. Um, Deli Ali there making the underrated <laughs> selection. <clears throat> All right, cool. Um, last question. Um, it's to both of us. Uh, 59er is the, the name. Yeah, it's 59er, it says here. Okay. I mean, yeah, strange what's name. It, what's he at? Where? Golf Chat 59. Well, he likes 59, doesn't he? That's, doesn't he? Um, you, you could call him a 59er. Uh, what would you say Bruno Fernandez's uh, main strengths and weaknesses are? And how do you think he could improve as a player? Yeah, there's more. I mean, there's like seven uh, questions here. And where do you rate him amongst the other top tagging midfielders in the league? Okay. Um, so, strengths, Bruno Fernandez. He, he makes a difference in a lot of matches. Obviously, he's, he scores a lot of goals, gets a lot of assists. He, he's, he's so decisive. Um, when he gets the ball, he always has an idea of what he wants to do with the ball, um, what's around him, the, the picture of the of the pitch and who's where. Mm. Um, and it's almost like he's got that picture in his head as the ball is arriving to him. Um, for, for instance, uh, against Newcastle uh, the other day, is his little deft flick against Newcastle to set up Dan James's goal where the ball was coming to me. He knew he couldn't get much on it, but he knew where Dan James was. He knew where Jamal Lewis was was, was uh, coming out to, to intercept the ball and just a, the little deftest of flick in, in between his legs to Dan mm. James to set up the goal. It's always that that picture. Um, so yeah, strengths, end product, final ball, yeah. uh, and shooting up there, best in the Premier League. Actually, he's always wanting the ball, always giving 100%. I think that's made a massive difference to Man United mm. um, and their, their team. My weaknesses are going to be that he tries a lot, which is part of his strengths in terms of um, pu- pulling things off. But he tries a lot with the ball. It's almost like every time he gets, he, have to, he has to pull off a worldie or a shot or, or some sort of goal-scoring action. Um, and I think that that's all well and good. But I think against better teams, that will cost United possession because um, he, he's giving it away through these sort of worldy attempted through balls and, and shots and things like that. And and they will um, get less possession as a result and, and potentially lose games against the bigger teams or at least lose um, territory against the good teams. Um, we haven't seen his best in the big games yet. Um, and that's probably my one, one biggest criticism of him um, is, that, is that he hasn't really pulled off what he has done against the weaker teams uh, with, with the better teams. But that could be due to Man United's team as a whole. Um Ranking him, I think he's up there at the best in the Premier League. Uh, I would still have De Bruyne over him. Um, this, is, this is my issue with, uh, it's not with Bruno, it's, I guess it's the United fans. Yeah. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier on the pod, maybe episode one or two, um, mm. about how no one can just be really good anymore. They've got to be the best, the best player in the Premier League uh, yeah. or, or diabolical, you know, yeah. um, yeah. and there's no middle ground. He is a, re- a really good player. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not probably top five, probably top three, I don't know, attacking midfielders in the Prem. Um, but let's yeah. just wait. You know, as you say, he's not doing it in the big games um, as much as he is in, in the run-the-mill uh, games against the fodder. Um, so I think, yeah, just, it's just uh, wait and see. He's just a very good player. Um, let's just not get carried away. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. agree. Let's, let's see it for another one or two years against the best teams and, uh, and, and we'll see what happens. So that, that was going to be our last question, Nick, but I've got a surprise for you. Oh, so, God. So Kieran has just tweeted in. So Kieran Gale at Kieran G88 has just tweeted in. Uh, this is a live uh, question, which uh, Nick is yet to read. So this will be interesting to say the least. Kieran asks, do you think it's right uh, Tuchel voiced his uh, reasons publicly on um, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi? Or do you think it should be behind closed doors? I don't feel managers can win sometimes. Sometimes, uh, sometimes get slaughtered for tiptoeing around players, but also slaughtered for pure honesty. 
Um, the answer will be, let's see what happens with hudson Doyle in the next game and longer term under Tuchel, basically. Because if, yeah. if, if hudson Doyle doesn't flourish, then everyone will come back to this one moment and blame it on that, even though it probably has nothing to do with it. If he does flourish, everyone will lord Tuchel and say it was his masterstroke when actually he probably didn't have anything to do with it. So um, for a bit of context, so what happened then? So he came on um, yeah, second so he came half. On half. came on at half time uh, for Tammy Abraham um, against Southampton and he played him in, in the right side of the front three, um, sort of right. tucked in the field, almost like a, a right-sided number 10. And um, he wasn't having a great game. He, he was losing the ball a little bit. Um, but Tuchel said afterwards, the reason he took him off was um, his attitude in the counter-press and he missed opportunities to counter-press quickly. Um, which is, funny enough, his arguments that Lampard had about him saying that he needs to work hard off the ball as well. Um, uh, so so he took him off after, I think, 34 minutes um, mm. and brought on Ziyech. So uh, time will tell. I, I think it was harsh in the sense that we've had a lot of players who haven't done very well this season um, and haven't been playing very well and they haven't been hooked after 34 minutes. Um, if it's a point about his attitude then I'm fine with that. If you want to take him off, take him off. And if you want to voice it publicly, voice it publicly. That that if Tuchel will say what he thinks the outcome will be best of. Yeah. Uh, and that, that didn't really make sense, that sentence. But if he thinks that Hudson Doyle is going to react to... to um, I wouldn't say it was public criticism. I think it was a public observation and there was reasons why he took him off. Mm. Um, if he thinks Hudson Doyle is going to react well to that, then absolutely do it. If he thinks he's going to react badly, then you wouldn't. He wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have said that publicly. So he knows him better than us. Um, I think. I think each player and each manager and each individual circumstances will determine whether doing something publicly or privately is best. And like Kieran said, there is no winning because people will criticise the decision no matter what they do. Um, but let's wait and see what happens with Hudson Odoi and Tuchel and Chelsea. Absolutely. Yeah. Cheers, uh, Kieran, for that uh, question sneaking in at the mm-hmm. last. Um, and that's it. That's it for Series 1, uh, Episode 6 of the Wembley Way podcast. Um, for the final word, as always, please subscribe to our podcast feed, whether that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Please keep them coming in, as I always say. Share us to your friends on social media. It all really helps. Follow us on Twitter and now Facebook, as we said last week, at the Wembley Way. Um, and remember to check out our website for previous episodes and the latest England squad power rankings at thewembleyway.com. Final shout out also for our competition, as we said, the uh, retro England shirt uh, bundle. Um, those three things that I mentioned at the start of the podcast, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, just do those three things and then you're entered into the competition and you could have yourself some serious England goodies for the England summer tournament. And no, that is really it. Thank you very much. Uh, I've been Tom. I've been Nick. And we're the Wembley Way. Good night. We're? No, it's we've been. Hold on, I'm just, just going to do it. I'm keeping this in. Uh, and we've been the Wembley Way. Good night. Yeah.